Isaiah 28, Isaiah 28. Praise the Lord. You know, folks, the serving and the breaking of bread in God's house, the serving and the breaking of bread in God's house should be a moment of healing, should be a moment of restoration, should be a moment when you leave and your burdens have lifted. It's, it's glorious what God has done. And keep that in mind. In the 28th chapter of the book of Isaiah, in the very last verse, and that's verse 29, chapter 28, verse 29, the Lord Almighty is a wonderful teacher and gives the farmer wisdom. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? I looked in several versions. It says the Lord our God is a wonderful teacher and gives the farmer wisdom. Another one says the Lord of hosts is a wonderful teacher and gives the farmer wisdom. Oh, I love this. I love this. And gives the farmer wisdom. We don't know too much about farming, right? No. We're city slickers. And uh, I'm always amazed at, at beautiful cornfields. I'm always amazed at wheat fields. I'm always amazed as I fly across the United States and see so many, so many farms. And you see them like little blocks from the sky. And you look down. And I remember even as close as Pennsylvania, we would go preach in Pennsylvania, and we would go through miles and miles and miles of farmland. And I said to my husband, I don't think anybody lives here. Because like every five miles you see a little farmhouse. And I said, I don't think there are people around here. Yet when the service started, there were over a thousand people gathered. And I thought to myself, de donde salieron? Where did they come out of? I didn't see them. But isn't it interesting? God is very, very interested in farming. The scripture says, and he says in his word, the farmer knows just what to do. Now, I was fascinated when I read this. Listen to this. Listen to me as I plead. Does a farmer always plow and never sow? Is he forever harrowing the soil and never planting it? Does he not finally plant his many kinds of grain, each in its own section of his land? He knows just what to do, for God has made him see and understand. We're talking about farmers, folks. We're talking about farmers. And somehow or other, farmers are very closely linked to God. So what happens to us in the Castle Hill area? Are we not linked? The most important thing is this, that God is the teacher. Now let's go on and see what it says. He doesn't thresh all the grain the same. A sledge is never used on dill, but it's beaten with a stick. A threshing wheel, listen to this, is never rolled on cumin, but it's beaten softly 
with a flail. I don't even know what a flail is. Let's go on. Imagine something gentle. Bread grain is easily crushed, so he doesn't keep pounding on it. The Lord Almighty is a wonderful teacher and gives the farmer wisdom. You almost want to say, hey, wait a minute. Pastor Amy, we're computer age. We're the big shots. We're the ones with the, the disks. We're the ones that really know how to make things happen. But guess what? Life is still all about sowing and reaping. Whether you like it or not, that's life. Sowing and reaping. The scripture says, whatever a man sows, that he shall reap. Now the basic truth is the truth of nature. The basic truth is the farmer. The basic truth is the seed that he sows. The basic truth is his prayers for rain, uh, uh, former rain and latter rain. That, that's the basic idea. But let me tell you something. God is simply telling us, this is the oldest thing I can tell you, and you know what? We'll never find a new way. We will, till Jesus comes, we still be sowing and reaping. I'm talking about materially, and I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about humanly. This is the act of love. What a man sows, this he shall reap. Put it in words of everyday language. Are you nasty? Well, somebody nastier is going to catch up to you. Isn't that interesting? I think it scares me a little. Do you know, folks, that I want to be good, not because I think it's good to be good. I haven't come to that conclusion yet. I want to be good because the Word of God tells me that if I'm good, I'm going to find good people ahead of me. You say, oh, sister, that's very calculating. But it's biblical calculation, so go by it. It works. It works. You say, well, what about your motivations? Aren't they clean? No, but they're straight. They're not the purest. You know, we've got, to, we've got to watch out for that, folks. That's why so many people don't care, don't give a hoot. Because they figure, ah, oh, that's the greatest answer I ever get. They can be 90 or they can be 9. Ah. And what does that mean? Who cares? Well, God cares. Listen to me carefully. God cares, folks. He really does. God's lessons are never wasted. They are a part of time and eternity. Isn't that interesting? There's not a page or a word that is or will become obsolete in God's word. Did you know that there are dictionaries that are obsolete? Yeah, because with the ages, words change. Did you know that? They become obsolete. Do you know that there are books that become obsolete? Do you know? I, I often laugh with my brother because everybody thinks Bob was a lawyer because he was in politics. No, Bob was an engineer. He was a computer engineer. And he spent most of his time either in Tokyo or in Belfast or wherever there were the nuclear submarines. And he was in charge of uh, the brains for the computers. Now those brains were bigger than these speakers that we have here. And he had to travel with the brain in order to be able to fix them on the submarines. And when Bob got into trouble, 
I said, Bob, when you're through, can you go back to computing? Can you? He looked at me. He says, Amy, what I did is obsolete. No good. I wouldn't know the first thing about computers today. Because the only thing I did was take the brain and install it. I knew nothing about the men that were making the brain or what they were putting into the brain. That were leaflets that the people that would receive the brain. So then I looked at him and I said, so what you learned was no good? No good? He says, Amy, zero, zilch, zero, nada. I said, that's horrible to go to school and 30 years later it's no good to you. Don't you think, don't you think that's, that's tremendous? Well, I'm here to tell you this, and this is why the scripture says, whatever is on the pages of the word of God, that will never be obsolete. Do you hear me? We've got a book that doesn't run out of time. We've got a book that doesn't run out of themes. We've got a book that doesn't run out of solutions. We've got a book that hits the core. We've got a book that's written by God, the Holy Spirit, and give it to mankind so that we might learn. Isn't that amazing? That's why you gotta fall in love with the Bible. You say, oh, Sister Amy, gotta fall in love with God. Yeah, but how you gonna know about God unless you get to the Word? It's the word that tells you all about him. It's the word that tells you who he is. It's the word that shares that truth. Man's value in God's eyes is how man accepts his word and applies it to his life. You don't like God's word? You're not interested? I'm, I'm not into the Bible. Can you imagine I hear people say that today? I love worship, but I'm not really into the Bible. Woo, hey. You need a refresher course on simply loving God because it's the Bible that teaches us tall people in God's eyes are those who live in the word. Always remember, it's number one and it's the most important. The scripture says God's a wonderful teacher. I started to search who he taught. Number one. He taught Adam and Eve personally. Can you imagine going to school at the fall of the sun, at the sunset? Because the scripture says at that time God would come and be with them. Wow, isn't that unbelievable? And he would talk to them. And he would give them promises. He would bless them. He would teach them. He would tell them. You see, when we walk into the Bible and we see creation, we see six days and immediately flip over and we find Eva has had a son, Eve has had a son, and then later on she's had another one. So we, the calculations of our time, are, well, well, okay, this takes nine months and this takes nine months, and, and how long they were there, well, we don't know. And, so we calculate in this our way of calculating. I don't know how long Eve was around, but it wasn't important how long she was around. 
The important thing is that God was with her. That's the important thing. And he taught them. And even after sin, and even after the fall of man, wasn't he right there talking to them? The seed of the woman, yes. Yes, Eve. Your seed will rise up against the seed of the wicked one that made and created this fall against Satan. And you know what, Eve? You'll be the winner. Praise God. He taught the patriarchs. And he taught them face to face. He taught them that they would be, they would, through them, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. There were many theophanies. A theophany simply means a manifestation of God on earth. Where God occupies a body so he doesn't scare us to death. Because we don't know much what to do with a spirit. Isn't it the truth? Isn't it the truth? This is our problem. We're nervous. We're hyper. We've got to see things. But you see, with God, you don't have to see a thing. You say, well, then I want to feel him. Well, you don't even have to feel him. You have to know he's there. Well, where do I get that knowledge? From the word of God. The God that says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The God that says, I'm by your side. The God that says, cry unto me and I will hear your cry. The God that says, I will heal thee and I will heal your land. The God that promises. You see, folks, that's why church cannot be an emotional bliss. It's got to be an impact of power and truth. So that when you go through Mary Jane's experience and your own horrendous experiences, you'll have strength to move on through it. And someone's holding your gut together. And someone's holding your mind together. And someone's flushing your soul so that praises can come out in time of trouble and in time of great pain. This is the important part. Let me tell you the characteristics of a great teacher. A great teacher is not one that tells you everything you have to know. That's not a great teacher. A great teacher is one that opens the way for you to discover. Isn't that interesting? And a great teacher is one that shows you, look, this is the road to over there. This is the road to over there. This is the road to over there. And then they give you a starting point. And as you go, it all unfolds. It all comes to a great moment of revelation, of discovery. That's why kids are so, hey, they're blessed today. They're given so much from which to learn. When I went to school, I, I can't even tell you. The only thing I had on the board were black and, letter, black and white letters, Palmer penmanship. So I ended up with very good penmanship, but very bad brains. You know how you walk into a class today and fall is all over? Walk into a class today and it's Christmas all over the class. The room is full of pictures. The room is full of flowers. The room is full of all kinds of adventure. It's called discovery. And it's taking people. That's what God does to you. People say, I get bored in church. 
I always fall asleep. That's why I tell you, whoever falls asleep, bring them here. I don't mind sleepers because I pray that the Holy Spirit wake them up one day, right? So leave them alone. One little lady said, I spend all service telling my husband, get up, get up. I says, well, leave them alone. Let them sleep in peace. One of these days, the good Lord will wake them up and it'll be ours forever. But while you beat them up, we may just lose them, okay? But discovery is the art of a good teacher. Jesus did the same thing. He walked with them. They saw him. They wanted to learn a lot of mechanism. Isn't that interesting? First time he sent them out to heal the sick and cast out demons, they came back and said, Oh, we're ready. You should have seen the demons go out. And Jesus says, see the demons go out. I saw Satan when he fell from heaven. Never mind a demon coming out. And then Jesus looked at them and said, that's not the important thing. No, it's not. How many demons you cast out? That's not the important thing. The important thing is that your name be written in the Lamb's book of life. Say amen. That's what's important. Jesus always applied his greatest truths to nature, to the temporal, to the known. He used everything. He talked about the earth. He talked about stewardship. He talked about landowners. He talked, he applied truth to everything that had to do with just living. Let me tell you something. That's the way a good teacher does. Why? Because a good teacher applies truth to nature, to temporal, to the known, and then lets the student choose and come to his own conclusions. Do you realize, folks, that Jesus was more a teacher than anything else? He healed the sick, he worked miracles, and he worked those miracles so that the people would know and understand that God had sent them. He said, if you don't believe me for me, believe me because of the miracles. How good God is to us. How good God satisfies our whims. But I praise him. And God keeps healing the sick. And God keeps working miracles. He really does. But the most important thing in life is that you and I have a relationship with him. You know, this is, a, this is a crazy world you're living in. Did you know that? You can walk outside and be shot. Turn on the TV. There isn't a night that a cop isn't shot. There isn't a night that two or three hoodlums aren't shot. There isn't a night when good, kind people aren't shot. You say to yourself, where are we going to end up? Where are we going to end up? Somebody, I, I have friends, you know, when I go out to travel, I go to those that far away land, you know, like, like where, the, where the munchkins live. All the little picket fences and all these nice houses. And everybody looks at me and says, how can you live in the Bronx? <laughs> and I look at them and I says, I live fine. I live very well, thank you. I am enchanted. Now you know that I'm the pastor that says, if God gives you a way out, move it fast, take your family with you. I'm here because God called me here. 
I'm here because I'm in the right place. After preaching for 40 years, God said to me, open a work in the Bronx. I said, you gotta be kidding. I've never left the Bronx. It's not dramatic, it's not dynamic. God said, do it. And I did it. And here we sit together. And I thank the Lord for it. Hey, listen, our God is a God that will teach you to live no matter where you live. Because the only thing you need is the fear of God. You know, if we could see the heavens today, I think you would see so much action. I think you would see so many angels intervening. I think you would see so much traffic, divine traffic. But you know, we're such troublesome people because even when God saves a thousand a day or a million a day, we turn on the TV and wonder why God didn't save that little baby. We always have a why for God. Can I tell you something? What is done is not right, but he doeth all things well. And you say, oh, but I don't fully understand. You know, you don't. You don't. If you know nothing about eternity, you will never understand me. If you know nothing about heaven, you'll never understand me. If you don't understand that life isn't this life, it's the one to come. We're just in the dressing room. We're in dress rehearsal. We're getting ready for the best place in the world. We're going to a banquet. We're going to a ball. The heavens are opening for us. And the trumpet will sound. But we don't think of that, right? No, we're here. Don't anybody touch what I have. Don't anybody come near me. This is my place. This is my world. Okay, God, this two by four, protect it, please. It's mine. Thank God he does, right? Thank God he does. He's so good. He's so good. God takes orders from so many yo-yos out of sheer mercy and love. He really does. There are people who talk to God. And God says, I love you, my child. I love you, my child. What did Jesus teach us? Number one, come unto me. And what's that? That's open. Oh, I love that. An open invitation for everybody. You know what he also said about that open invitation? Those that, are, those that do accept become my sheep. And guess what? My sheep hear my voice. Where's his voice? It's here. And if you're true to God, in the study and in the drinking in of his word, can I tell you a truth that you, that's going to blow your minds away? Listen to this. If you're into the word, this word has resurrection power. And whenever you need it, the Holy Ghost will beam it up. Yes, he will. He'll compute it in. But you know what? He can only beam up and compute in what you've put in. God doesn't cheat on your homework. He doesn't cheat on your tests. He'll only bless your mind if you put the stuff into it. When I was in Bible school, we would all pray just before tests. We'd all pray. And the teacher would say, stop the praying and get to the library. I said, what a tough man. He doesn't even believe in prayer. 
No, he believed in prayer, just didn't believe in our nonsense. The works of Satan. He became Jesus Christ in the 12th chapter of the book of Matthew. Came to be the person to teach us best the works of Satan. How Satan operates. How he wants to take over our lives. How he moves forth with power so that he can dominate us. So that he can take us over. And Jesus lets us know that that strong man can only be conquered by a stronger man. Chapter 12 of the book of Matthew. Jesus is the stronger man. Move in in the power of Jesus. Stand in the power of Jesus. Be unbending. Not through stubbornness. But through faithfulness to God's word. Say amen. That's where it counts. God is a wonderful teacher. His son Jesus is a wonderful teacher. We'll never find one like him. I've got a few questions to close up our conversation. Number one, how does the world stand up to God's teaching? And then we have a funny little question. Can he work a computer? Listen to this. How can God or does God, can God help work a computer? He made the greatest one. You and me. There is no computer like you and me. I don't care what you have. Apple, IBM. I don't care what you have. I don't care how many diskettes you have. I don't care how many programs you bring in. Oh, we got this, we got that, we got the other thing. I look at, I look at computers, I'm really a joke. I call them the Antichrist. What can I tell you? It's my problem. I'm just too dumb to manage them. But guess what? God gave us the best computer. We are it. We are it. Oh, I love it. I love it. What a computer. Eyes that see and see and see. A brain that's in charge of so much. A whole motor up there. Can you imagine? The left side controls the right side, and the right side controls the left side. I think that's why I'm going over to one side. One of my sides isn't functioning. But that's okay. We have the greatest experience in computing in our own lives. Imagine if you had to get up in the morning and press a button to get up, and press a button to, you know, mm, no, I don't press any buttons. I let the light come in, I open my window, I shout hallelujah, I pray for the cars coming down the Grand Concourse, and I head for the bathroom. The day has begun, hallelujah. What else do we say? What about the space programs? Is God in the things that are coming down? Is he in the spaceships and the rocket ships? Is he? Hey. Can I tell you something? I want to tell you something. God's got the best mobile army traveling from earth to heaven every minute of the day. You know how the angels go? And it's not the angels in Hollywood. By supersonic situations, no. Angels from heaven. Oh, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. He sends them down and they do his work. 
Every perfect gift cometh from the Father above, from the Father of lights. My precious people, you can't outgive God. You can't outsing God. You can't outdo God. Our God is a wonderful teacher. And then it says, and he gives to the farmer wisdom, starting from the very beginning. And may all wisdom start there too. Whatever a man sows, this he will reap. Oh God, you couldn't learn more than from him. You couldn't learn more than from his spirit and his power. He straightens you out. He lets you walk. He gives you energy. You're revived, revitalized. You are transformed in a touch from the master. I say to you this day, our God is a wonderful teacher. Go to school every day, won't you please? Book a couple of classes. Read. People say to me, but I don't understand what I read. You don't have to understand. Isn't that funny? Imagine if you told the teacher, I don't understand. Well, the only thing the teacher will tell you, you'll stay here next year. And you'll get to understand. But guess what? This book has revitalizing. This book has resurrection power. We must be Christians founded, grounded. Oh, I love Puerto Rican language. Reguindao del Señor. You know what that means? That's what I want to be. I want to be one of those crazy ladies that has no other option through her own choice but the option of Jesus Christ. You say, lady, you know, you live kind of a nice life. Everything's gone pretty easy for you. Yeah. That's what you think. But I don't have to tell you anything but that my Savior has seen me through. That my Savior is real and true. That my Savior can meet every need I have and will ever have. That my God has never failed to promise. Why? Because he's a wonderful teacher. And if he teaches the farmer with wisdom, will he not teach his children with wisdom?